Dr. Amalia Gonyas Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us on the line today from Johannesburg is Professor Gillian Drennan, who heads up the School of Geosciences at the University of the Witwatersrand. She is also a member of the Geological Society of South Africa and the International Geoscience Education Organization. She serves as chairperson for the Museum Consultative Committee as well as the Geological Museum Association, Museum Africa. She also serves as the professional bodies representative for the National Science and Technology Foundation Awards Adjudication Panel. Welcome to the show, Professor. Thank you very much. What a nice introduction. (laughs) We look forward to unpacking more about what you do and exploring the field of of geosciences, particularly through the lens of of women. So to begin with, as head of the School of Geosciences, please can you tell us more about the school as well as some of the responsibilities that come with holding this position? Well, I'm very privileged to actually serve in this position. The School of Geosciences here at WITS is one of the oldest schools um, in in the university and, in fact, had its birth uh, as part of the School of Mines down in Kimberley with the discovery of diamonds and then with the discovery of gold up here on the uh, Witwatersrand, the university moved, or the School of Mines, as it was then, moved up here and we've morphed from being part of the School of Mines and one of the very first departments into being a standalone school of geosciences, which um, is a combination of geology, geophysics, geochemistry, and paleontology. So all the graduates in those disciplines come through the school. We have a great history. We've got um, some great graduates, some excellent lecturers, uh, and so that, that's the school in a nutshell. Some of my responsibilities, wow. <laughs> um, I think my biggest responsibility is to create a, a space that is conducive to allowing every student and every staff member to, to reach their full potential. Um, as a female geoscientist, I've been very fortunate. I haven't really faced any major opposition or and in fact my colleagues male and female have always encouraged me all the way through my career um, like many geos I got into the discipline almost through the back door um, I didn't we don't know what geology is at school we're not taught it so I didn't really have much of an idea of what geology was about uh, and I had originally thought as a student that I wanted to be a school teacher so I I took geography as a subject, and and geology sounded like a good option. Um, and I knew a little bit about it from mainly from reading novels, actually. And so I registered for it as a first year student, and two years later came back to do second and third year, and then honors, and then masters, and then PhD, and then a lecturer, and now I'm the head of school. So kind of just flowed. I I never felt like I was challenged in any way, Um, not in a negative way. Challenged, yes, but but not negatively challenged. Um, So yeah, that's creating a space for others to do the same. 
it it really sounds like geology and geography got under your skin and it 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 became part of you as you went on and forged through with your successive qualifications and sitting on all of the boards that you represent um yes for sure it has become very much a passion i think it's one of the science disciplines that you have to be passionate about um you probably got to be passionate about everything in life otherwise you're going to do it not to the fullest of your potential but geology just lends itself to being an outdoor out there making a difference kind of subject um there's so many subdisciplines so many areas of interest so many problems to solve that yeah it's very much a part of who you are you can go anywhere in the world and and still be surrounded by geology you don't have to pack something up and take it with you <laughs> it's wherever you go and thinking for a moment about the origins of the school, when you were talking about Kimberley and diamonds, you were talking about the Witwatersrand and gold, those were such prominent sectors of our, our GDP in terms of, of mining and, and minerals. And when I looked at some of the labs within the department, you've got extensive research facilities. Please tell us more about some of the innovative areas of research that you conduct. We're very fortunate. We have got a wide range of laboratory facilities and a wide range of research experts in those disciplines. Um, and so we can offer everything from state-of-the-art petrology laboratories. That's where you look at rocks um, uh, under the microscope, um, either transmitted or reflected light. Through our TEMA lab, we've got a fluid inclusion laboratory where we can look at um, remnants of ancient fluids that get trapped inside crystals when they form. And that tells us something about the nature of those fluids, whether they might be mineral-carrying fluids or, or not. As many fluids are barren. but So we, we have a really good fluid inclusion laboratory. We've got an excellent laser ablation, ICPMS uh, laboratory. We call it our Earth Lab. Uh, we do standard XRF analyses, but we also can do laser ablation, ICPMS. So we've got the whole range within geology and geochemistry. And then we also have our geophysics laboratories uh, and, and equipment, which we apply mainly outside. So we do seismic reflections and gravity surveys. Uh, our researchers are involved in airborne surveys. And then from a paleontological point of view, we've got really excellent facilities for sample preparation, for extraction of bones from rock and for preparation of, of sample material. So we've got a really wide range. Um, we're the only school that's offering postgraduate degrees in, in um, geophysics and in paleontology. So that really does give us an edge. We've got the um, evolutionary... Institute here. We've got the Center for Excellence in terms of mining and exploration through Chimera. We've got the chair of the uh, seismicity research group looking at deep seismics and earthquake, essentially earthquakes or ground failure in our deep mines. And that is really interesting to other countries, especially Japan. So we've got partnerships with Japan looking at that. So we've got a very broad um, laboratory base and really state-of-the-art equipment 
and and state of the art researchers that have got collaborations all over the world, as well as in Africa. So yeah, that's some of what we offer. It's incredibly diverse, the different fields that you mentioned, but are obviously all related in terms of the earth science aspect that links them. Mm. And with those types of resources, you know, and as you mentioned, you look at doing collaborations across different countries. Are there any specific developments with particular countries in Africa that you're working with? Uh, yes, we've got the Africa Array program, which is um, through our geophysics office our uh, geophysics uh, division, and they run, um, obviously this year because of COVID, things have not happened as normal, but they run the Africa Away workshop and field trip, and they bring um, scientists, uh, geophysicists from all over Africa here to our facilities here, and they spend two weeks doing uh, coursework and seminars and conferencing, and then they go out into the field and they interact with our own students, our own postgraduates, um, through the Africa Array field trip. And so, and that, that is all across Africa that uh, we are involved in capacity development. We're not trying to attract everybody here, but they come here, they get reinvigorated, they learn new things, they learn new techniques, and then they go back into Africa. So Africa Array has got a very, very big footprint. We've also had the WAXI, which is the West African Exploration uh, Project, WAXI, uh, where we have one of our academics um, here who's very involved in uh, interacting with different mining and exploration uh, problems up in West Africa trying to solve. So it's not us just giving uh, the answers to big problems, but it's us working together with each other to develop problem-solving capacity. So we've got that program. Um, I've got my own PhD students who've been working up in uh, the DRC and up in Ivory Coast. Uh, we've got one PhD student, I'll have one PhD student who will shortly be taking up a position in um, the Ivory Coast as part of an exploration team based on the research that we've done here. So we have many, many links into Africa. It's great to hear of these collaborations and also how our, our continental IP is being developed and invested in and, and shared as best practice across different partners and, and countries? Very much so. You know, um, we, we are so fortunate in Africa and, and in South Africa to have some of the world's best geology. We've got the deepest mines. We've got the biggest and the oldest meteorite impact structures. We've got the richest platinum and gold deposits, um, great diamond deposits, and now, of course, there's the new discovery of, of oil and gas offshore. So we really, we, we, we've got tremendous, tremendous uh, geology, which just lends itself to enthusiasm and, and engagement and involvement and application of knowledge to solving real problems. Uh, and we can share in our problem solving. There's no one size fits all. We don't know all the answers. Uh, and in fact, the more you dig, the more you research, sometimes the less you know. Uh, and, and that's where collaboration comes, 
comes into its own because you can bounce ideas off of each other. Uh, right now, our school is just developing its new uh, strategic research strategy, and a group of us have got together and we bounce ideas off of each other, looking at the new challenges that will face us. Yes, we started off with diamonds and gold, but as we go into the fourth industrial revolution, new minerals are required, new resources are required, which are going to require new exploration techniques, new mining techniques. We're going to be looking at old minerals, but for new uses and new minerals for, for new uses. Um, so it's, it's a, a really, it's an exciting time to be in Africa right now. And we've got some of the oldest and the best. So why wouldn't you want to be in Africa? And why wouldn't you want to be a geoscientist? We love your passion. And particularly the way you've been engaging and talking about the almost repurposing of older tech or older minerals and putting that into a new context and also looking and investigating for new opportunities. One of the things which I think is probably a bit of a challenging dynamic within the academic space is how do you maintain the newness? How do you maintain, and by newness I mean not just about refreshing content, but the fact that we've got developments that are happening rapidly. rapidly. Um, How do you keep pace with that change so that people are equipped when they qualify with their Mm. academic education and they're not learning old stuff that becomes redundant or or obsolete? Well, I think there's a lot of stuff that doesn't ever become obsolete. What we have to do is is, uh, play to our strengths and learn from what we know already and apply it into what lies ahead of us, into new things. Um, Certainly in academia, we are um, engaged permanently in terms of curriculum review uh, right now, we've just, just, just uh, looked at introducing an entrepreneurial component to our honours program. In the old days, you got an honours degree and you went out and you went into training programs within the mines, within exploration companies, or within consultancies. There's no in-house training like there used to be. In the past, people would have served a basically a three-year apprenticeship in any particular mining house, for instance, going to different mines, different commodities. But all of that has gone away. And so we need to make sure that our students are are up to speed and are not just geos, but are also entrepreneurs. More and more, uh, I think that individuals are going to be making a difference rather than big companies and large consortiums. There will always be room for, the, for them as well. But more and more individuals are being called on. And so we want our graduates to have some kind of entrepreneurial skill as well, some kind of business skill, some kind of business acumen. It's no good just to know about minerals and deposits and meteorites and volcanoes and earthquakes. You need to know how they're going to impact man. We've got to be contributing um, to to those um strategic development goals, we, we want to play a part in that. So we've got to keep current. doesn't mean throwing everything out. <laughs> it means taking what's really good from that and building on it and adding new skills. So within our school, we've got a, a big focus on skills development. And if you get the skills right, 
the content will follow. Um, and you, you can always Google. You can always go to the libraries. There's so much information out there. It's what do we do responsibly with that information? And so we've had a big focus on skills development. And as I say, the new thing that we're focusing on right now is preparing, preparing our students for this digital age, um, introducing new uh, equipment, for instance, in the field. Many, many years ago, a geologist would have had a, a geopic and perhaps a little acid bottle for an acid test to test between carbonates and silicates out in the field. They would have had a, uh, a hand lens and, and a compass. But now we have to prepare our students to be able to go out and superimpose one layer of information upon another. And so we've introduced the use of drones, for instance, in, in our field schools. We've introduced the use of what we call ruggedized um, tablets. These are really robust tablet, tablets that we can take out, and it doesn't matter if they get bumped or, or put in a backpack together with a whole lot of other samples. They, they've been ruggedized, and we can use those to superimpose geochemistry data on top of geophysical data, on top of field observations, and so we can have these layers of information which our students need to know about. Now, when I was a student, I didn't dream of anything like that. So we, we constantly renewing our curriculum, constantly focusing on what our graduates are going to need, what's, what our graduates must have that's going to put them at the top of the pile. Staying relevant is critical. And in our new world, let's say, uh, era or or paradigm shift where information has been democratized and thinking from a digital perspective, everything is about connectivity and integration. So when you're talking about layering different models, it's moving away from a one-dimensional view and doing a recombination of, of having 3D views of, of utilizing apps in the field and being creative. And I think one of the things that you said, which was really important for me, was the fact that no longer are, are people joining an organization and staying there for life and being possibly growing in the hierarchy. It's about having your piece of independence and using your capabilities and finding your niche, which does put a lot of emphasis on the individual. They're, respons they're responsible for their lives. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that that's, that's one of the, our university, not just the school, but the university's goal is to, you know, uh, give you the edge. We want to give our graduates the edge so that they are uh, the leaders of tomorrow, um, that they are even the leaders of today. Um, you don't have to be an old and gray, and you don't have to be male to be the head of a company or setting up your own exploration company. There are some very young and very dynamic graduates that, can, that are doing it and others that will follow suit, you know. I think very much we need to be to be individuals. But having said that, there is also the need to integrate and to be part of a team. I think that one of the new trends in research is, is multidisciplinary, interdisciplinary, trans-faculty, trans-institution research. Um, and as research is facing severe challenges in terms of funding and, and, and financing, the more we tap into this multidisciplinarity, 
the better for us. You can't just see geology or geophysics or geochemistry or, or paleontology as standalone subjects. They are very much integrated and they have direct uh, relations with physics, with chemistry, with maths, with, with the arts, with um, even with politics and, and economics. So we're no longer just a standalone little subdiscipline, you know, earth sciences. We've got to see ourselves as scientists, part of a bigger community and uh, big research projects, big ideas. Thinking about the edge, thinking about the aspect of science, STEM subjects, so science, technology, engineering and mathematics have been cited as being pivotal for jobs of the future and everything that you've shared with us today has has really reiterated that point. But in various reports, it shows that women have been underrepresented in these disciplines and listening to you today and, and learning about the research, we know that if this gap is allowed to mm. grow, women are going to be placed at a disadvantage in the new world. Mm. Um, very much so. But, I mean, I think the great thing that I can report from our school is that, and obviously geology falls in within the STEM um, family, we've got more females than we've got males in our undergraduate courses, which is very exciting. When I was an undergraduate, I was part of a minority. Um, but now our, our female students are, are the majority. We've got more than 50% females, as high as 70% females in some of the classes. So we, we're very proud of that. Where we haven't yet succeeded, but give me time, <laughs> I intend to make a difference, where we haven't succeeded is, is in translating undergraduates into postgraduates. Um, except for paleontology. Paleontology has got more females as masters and, and PhD students, and that's really great for them. We've got to still get there in terms of geoscience. We haven't, we've got uh, female MSc and PhD candidates, but not as many as we would like. Considering the number that we have at undergraduate level, we need to get more of the undergraduates into the postgraduate programs. And there's a whole host of reasons why there is a lag there, um, family responsibilities, and that's not just for geoscience, it's for all disciplines. Uh, many, many um, females choose to take a gap uh, for raising families and and that sort of thing. Sometimes it's not being fit for purpose. So they, they, there's a variety of reasons as to why we haven't got sufficient postgraduates that are female. But they will come. They are coming. They will come. Uh, the, the exciting thing is that many of the female academics in the other institutions um, are actually BITS graduates. And that's, that's really special. Uh, we like to really believe in, in, in the product that we are producing. And many of the ladies that are teaching uh, and researching in institutions in South Africa and even abroad uh, of its graduates, and, and we're very proud of them. So Vitz is making its its mark, particularly within the, the, the female contingent across all disciplines. Yeah, yeah, but we can do better. We, we haven't reached 
the pinnacle yet. We've still got a long way to go. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, honestly, that's that's what we hear time and time again on, on this program in terms of, yes, there have been advances that have been made in, in terms of opportunities for women to pursue, but there's still a lot of work that, that needs to be done. And within that that frame, we've obviously just celebrated Women's Month and we had the the theme of generation equality, realizing women's rights for an equal future, which was echoed out of the United Nations women's broader theme for the focus of, of 2020. So thinking about this theme, and looking towards the future for women, what do you think we need to do to build a, a more egalitarian society where there are no limits imposed on women? I think it's a lot to do with attitude. Uh, I'll start an example. Um, I took two of my honor students underground. We were on, visiting a local gold mine in Carltonville. And as we were walking along underground, we came across a number of, of people working and a conversation was taking place and we, we just carried on walking past because we were going to a particular work phase where we needed to collect samples. And when we passed this group of men, um, one of my students said to me, Jill, do you know what they were saying? And I said, well, I didn't even actually listen, but no, I, I don't. And she said, they were saying that they were, as we walked past, they said that they would pray for us, that we would get good husbands so that we wouldn't have to work underground. And they thought this was really funny. They were really proud to be underground and to be doing what they were being trained to do. Um, so that sparked an, a research idea. Let me research what people actually think. Let me research how women have, have achieved through time in geosciences. And I ended up writing a paper and presenting a paper at a conference. And the, it was called the Geosciences Pipeline. Um, that was what I called the, 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 the study. And we presented it at an international conference across in India. And I mentioned this, this incident, how my students had been so amused by the fact that some gentlemen underground had thought that they should pray for us so that we we would find good husbands and wouldn't need to go underground anymore. And all the ladies in the audience, um, and it's an international conference, so we had colleagues from all over the world, all nodded their heads and said, absolutely, yeah, we've got to, got to increase the number of females that are involved in, in the various subdisciplines of geoscience. And then one of the very prominent conference organizers stood up and he said to me, but Joel, do your students really want to go underground? <laughs> and he was staggered that female students actually wanted to go underground. And, and the rest of the audience, all, well, the females in the audience kind of rolled their eyes and, and thought, oh, here we go again. And so it's attitude. We've got to um, get away from looking at female roles, male roles, and rather look at person roles, the role of a geologist, it doesn't matter what their sex is, it's in any of the STEM disciplines, it doesn't matter what their sex is, it should be what they know and how they can apply what they know. So we've got a long way to go and attitude will, will, is, is where it's going to start. And then I think also cultural 
cultural expectations are are something that we are are struggling to deal with as well. That that that's a tough one. Um, even now, our students in COVID are, are facing tremendous challenges, not because they're having to work from home. Yes, that that is difficult, but because at home they're expected to do a whole lot of other things, which perhaps their brothers might not be expected to do. So there's a lot of cultural um, hindrances or, or, or blockages that that, um, that do make a difference, and we need to focus on that, but not lose sight of the fact that ultimately it's, it's excellent. If you're excellent at what you do and if you're passionate about what you do, it doesn't matter what your sex is, or it shouldn't matter what your sex is. And I think this also links back to what you were talking about on the notion of multidisciplinary. And I, I'm thinking of it in perhaps more abstract terms that it's also related to culture. It's also related to the idea of what were traditionally male roles, what were traditionally female roles, how the, the burden of the household traditionally fell upon women. And this is mm. about looking at how to lessen that burden and and equal the distribution of the load across family members so that everyone's picking up the slack and women can still pursue their choice of career and and not be hindered by other factors which um, as you say it's, it's attitude and culture to look at changing mm. um, I, I think in, in general there are shifts perhaps they're a little bit slow and in some societies slower than others but you know, many years ago, the term was a housewife. You never heard of house husband. But nowadays, that's not the case anymore. Many men are are picking up um, some of the slack at home. Some of the best chefs, some of the best cooks are men, not ladies. So, um, you know, rather have a man that's creative and passionate about his food in the kitchen than have a lady just because she happens to be female. So yes, roles roles are very stereotypical um, and have been in the past. But I think the modern generation is is looking at life a little differently. I'd like to believe they are. Um, I would hate my students to think that just because they're female, they've got to be barefoot, pregnant, and in the kitchen. That's those those days are gone. Um, but I, I also think that within industry we need to, and within academia, we need to be much more flexible in how we, how we look for candidates for positions and, and to create an environment that it enables ladies to flourish. Uh, it's no good offering somebody a job if it means that they're going to be, and it's male or female, if, if it means that they're going to not be able to fulfill their other roles. So we need to create spaces for people. So for instance, um, we have within our school, we'd be trying to create space and cre create possibilities for some of our young female researchers to, when they go to conferences, to be able to take their husband and their children with them. Obviously, we can't pay for that. Uh, we pay for the research and not for the families, but to create a space so that uh, people can take their children or their babies with them um, to a conference or to to a field school. Um, of course, with a field school, that's that's very difficult. But if the husband is there to take care of of the baby while the mom is out helping students, that's a different thing. So we are trying to create spaces and trying to create 
the support structures that would help females achieve. Um, and we've, we've made some success. We've still got a way to go, but it's a start. It's a start, and we're aware of it. Our colleagues, our male colleagues are aware of it, and they are trying to help us as well. So it's not just a, a gender thing. It, it's, a, it's a discipline thing. We're trying to get our whole discipline to move forward and into new and exciting roles um, that aren't necessarily stereotyped. Thanks for sharing the empowerment initiatives that you've you've got in place and that look at everything from a, a holistic point of view that, that touches on parameters of work as, as well as home life. Now, turning towards more of a personal perspective, one question that I ask all my guests who've made tremendous achievements in their respective fields of expertise is about the factors they consider have contributed to their success. Some people speak about perseverance, others talk about hard work. In your opinion, what would you say have been some of your key drivers to success? <laughs> That's easy for me to answer. It's passion. You, you can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you're not passionate about applying that knowledge, you're never going to, to be a high flyer or an achiever. Um, it's not so much about being the best of what you do, but it's about applying yourself to the best of your ability. I, I don't regard myself as a, as a major high flyer, but I've, I've worked hard, yes, and I've tried my best. And, and I've learned from my failures. I think that's another thing. We never get everything right. So learn from your failures. Um, regret nothing, but learn from everything and be passionate. If, you, if you're passionate about it, you wake up in the morning and you think, what am I going to do today? Ah, yes, I'm going to be lecturing this class or that class. We're going to be talking about this subject or that subject. If that's in your mind, it's so easy to enjoy what you do. And if you enjoy what you do, then generally speaking, I, I think you flourish. I've, I've managed from a personal, at a personal level to, to achieve what I have achieved because I'm passionate about what I do. I love what I do. Um, it's not like work. It's, 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 I enjoy it so much. I actually look forward to coming to work and look forward to interacting with my students and, and my colleagues. And now is a very exciting time to be doing that. We're in a major time of change, and uh, that's exciting. You know, change is good. Change is exciting. We hear your passion. We hear your enthusiasm. And I'm sure it's going to hopefully prompt some more interest into not just geosciences, but people waking up themselves and and looking um, to the future for what is possible. We are unfortunately running out of time. So if I can please ask you, as we close out the show today, to, to share a few words of inspiration that you'd like to pass on to young women on the continent who are listening to the program. I think I would like to share what, what my mom, my mom is my, is my heroine, absolutely. She is the power woman in my life. I, I would like to share what, what she shared with me and she she said to me, Jill, if at first you don't succeed, try again. Try again. And um, I think that that's what I would want to encourage people with. Never give up trying. You're never too old. You're never too young. You're never too female. You're never too male to try again. 
keep trying, push through, push through, um, and and you will achieve your dreams. You will you will find something that you are passionate about and that you can really engage with. Um, and it's infectious. If you're really enthusiastic, you can help others to become enthusiastic. So I would say to all the young ladies, just keep trying, keep pushing. Don't don't become despondent and, and, and don't look for the positives. Don't look for the negatives and just keep pushing. Um, and you will succeed. Fantastic message. Never give up. Keep trying. Thank you so much for spending time with us today and sharing your insights into the field and, and also broader perspectives in terms of the future for women. Thank you very much. It's been a great pleasure. I just hope more ladies out there will come and, and do geoscience. They don't know what they're missing till they've tried. And what is the website address? Um, the university website or the school's website. They can go to the university website and uh, you can log on to the university website and then go to faculties and look up under faculties, you'll find science. Be part of the Faculty of Science, you click on Faculty of Science and then all the different schools within the Faculty of, Geos- of Science will pop up and go to School of Geoscience. To explore new opportunities in paleontology, in uh, geophysics, uh, mining geology, geochemistry, to, to name a few. Thanks again. My pleasure. Thank you. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to Professor Gillian Drennan, who heads up the School of Geosciences at the University of the Witwatersrand.